This week, Apple's driving mobile privacy, NVIDIA's expanding GeForce Now, and what in the world happened with GameStop. It's Sunday, January 31st, 2021, and this is episode 586 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, through a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of other options, through our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, or Periscope, or on our website, plughitslive.com, thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. Uh, first, you can join us live Sunday. Uh, 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us during the show and give your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. Uh, or you can always subscribe at plughitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, and a whole lot more. And of course, you can find all the ways that you can watch, listen, and follow along. Avram, how are you doing this week? I know you've been... Uh, now you've been doing some projects as always. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, ex uh, fun times I got, uh, I think I showed you last week how, how far along I'd gotten on my like Simon project. And now this is like, as of tonight, like in really, really great shape. Um, granted it looks like, it looks like some kind of a terror cause it's on a breadboard. Sure. But, uh, but check it out. Like if I hit, uh, if I hit, if I play the script on it right now, it'll, you'll see that I'll play some tones. What management <laughs> error only because only because I'm on with you. Absolutely. But, uh, we, we always say it at uh, okay. CES, right? The, the demo never goes right the first time. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Only now because I'm showing you yeah. is it doing this, of but, course. um, what ha what's supposed to happen is that all the lights light up. It plays a tone on the buzzer. Mm -hmm. That is beyond bizarre. Okay. Well, uh, we will look at that later because, of course, it's going to happen. Of course. Aren't computers uh, fun? When I'm on. Uh, of course, it's going to happen when I'm on here. But uh, what I will say is it. Oh, I think I see what happened. All right. <laughs> um i think i hit an extra button uh but the 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 thing is let's see one more time there we go so it it like buzzes like simon then you mm -hmm. use this joystick to like up is green but if you did it wrong then it'll like flash other colors and uh when you start, it starts at zero, right? Oh, okay. But if you get it wrong, it all it makes these tones and uh -huh. says lose. <laughs> so anyway, um, you've so, definitely been having fun uh, with that. Yes. So that's the Raspberry Pi Pico, uh, and what that game shows is that we were able to. My son and I were able to control LED lights. Yeah. A seven-segment display, which is that little display a joystick an analog joystick and a buzzer so 
you know, a variety of different uh, electronics together. And all in really short order. Yeah. Like you've gotten to this point quickly considering the platform is new. Yeah. The platform is like 10 days old. So yeah. Um, And I had this in good shape uh, a few days ago. My main problem was that I had, it was, I was having all kinds of problems because I had taken the the thing and I'd soldered the pins upside down mm-hmm. uh, on the one that I got because um, the back ha- is where all of the um, like all of the like IDs for the pins are written. So I wanted to put it like this, but when you push it too hard down into a breadboard, um, which is what people use for prototyping electronics, uh, it starts to hit the like reset button or whatever. So it's mm. not a great a great setup. So I bought two. I bought two more of these. They just came in the mail, and I spent the afternoon soldering. And so, uh, and so uh, that's uh, that's where we're at. But um, anyway, it's uh, it's it's fun. It's an emerging platform. We've got lots of tutorials on it on, uh, about the new Raspberry Pi Pico on Tom's hardware. Uh, so I encourage folks to check it out. And you know, this definitely for people who like to do electronics projects. It doesn't have the AI and other you know full fledged Linux of a regular Raspberry Pi. But it's much, but it's really good for, you know, kind of simple use cases, and uh, it has analog to digital and things like that that you would expect from an Arduino. And this is this could be an Arduino killer because it's so much better. It's in a lot of ways better than Arduino, and it's four dollars. Uh, so that um, so uh, it's uh, expected to become a bigger and bigger platform over time. Yeah, I, I suspect that we will. We have seen just the beginning, <laughs> just the tip of the iceberg on this, because uh, I've been watching what you guys have been posting. It really does sound like, like they've they've found the perfect, like middle ground between, between Raspberry Pi and a, and a totally dead board. Like they found <laughs> exactly the right place and an amazing price point. Yep. And, and an amazing yep. price point that you don't have to wait six weeks to order it direct from China. <laughs> yep. Yep. That too. That too. So um, I got mine from Adafruit here in, here in the U S and it arrived in like three days. So, so that, uh, so all so that must mean they're back in stock. Uh, they were three days ago. Okay. But I mean, <laughs> that means that, that inventory is showing up, which is, Yes. which is nice it's not yes. we're in, it's in, not like in the gaming con- of- it's not like the gaming consoles or the video cards where basically once they're out yeah. you're never going to actually get one <laughs> yeah in, in 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 and out of stock definitely the best place probably to get it is adafruit and you can sign up to get an alert when it comes in stock if it's out of stock whatever so uh definitely uh good and and then of course this week lots of uh testing of laptops which we'll talk about a little a little bit later uh, a laptop that I've just finished testing that is uh, the most powerful gaming laptop I've ever seen. So nice. Um, so there's a there's a lot going on. I look forward to that. On our side, we've uh, obviously we've been spending a lot of time uh, publishing the many 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 interviews that we did during CES. Uh, if people have not seen them, uh, they are available uh, at pluckitslive.com/ces. Um, the ones that went up this week that were my favorites were obviously were the monster illuminescence stuff, which is 
unfair considering they're literally powering my studio. Um, um, and then, of course, Benji Locke, who has been, you know, Robbie's been a friend of ours for, for years since before he even had a working product, long before he went on to Shark Tank. Um, and, a, and a product that we learned about during our conversation called Hero Trainer, uh, which is a rewards platform for gamers for exercising. So, uh, like, you know, you've got Pokemon Go, right, where you get you get rewards for walking and things like that in the game. This, you can actually buy Xbox and PlayStation and Nintendo gift cards and in-game uh, currency and stuff for other games. It's actually really interesting. Uh, if people want to try it out, it's totally free. Uh, and Plug Hits Live has a guild. <laughs> so if you do join, um, uh, join the Plug Hits Live guild, just search Plug Hits Live. Um, we want to see it's, we're treating it a little bit like we did with uh, Folding at Home a couple of months ago, where <laughs> where we're getting all of our, our, our friends and stuff to, to join to see if we can, uh, you know, make it somewhere interesting on the leaderboard. <laughs> Right, right now it's not there, but we will get there. So people should definitely join us. Uh, is the website is um, I don't remember the website, but if you search, I think it's HeroTrainer.io. But if you uh, search Hero Trainer in your in your app store, whether it be iOS or Android, yeah, HeroTrainer.io. Um, whether it's Android or iOS, doesn't matter. Uh, you'll find it. Those were my three favorites this week, but um, we did published 15 this week <laughs> no 21 this week and we've got 21 more coming this week and uh you know <laughs> it just keeps coming until we're done so we've got we've got quite a bit of time but we've also got a lot of news to talk about this week so let's get to that This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, a new Xbox, games, or a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. And remember, current students, faculty, parents, and active military can save up to 10% on almost everything. To find out more and to see all the deals that are currently running, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. All right, so um, we've talked a lot about privacy over the last two years, um, and and one of the topics that has come up recently has been um, Apple's new push for privacy on its platforms. Now, this is totally separate from all of the other com odd conversations we've had to have about Apple. <laughs> on their platforms, but uh, with the introduction of iOS 14, there was also promise of new uh, privacy and security features. The first was um, an active list on, um, on the listing for an app of uh, what data was being used and to an extent what it was being used for. That information went live um, uh, a couple weeks ago. The second piece of information, though, which is way more important uh, than uh, the feature uh, 
is another, and I know we complain about them, but they're they're a, a good solution to the problem. A dialogue for um, use of the ID for advertising, the IDFA. Um, so when an app wants to access the IDFA for your device, you will get the option to say yes or no. Obviously, privacy experts and firms have all uh, heralded this as the beginning of of you know improved privacy on mobile devices and companies who have built their their empire on data collection have um, gotten frustrated and fought this hard. The company who has been the most vocal has been Facebook. Uh, if you have an iOS device and you use the Facebook app to manage pages, you have definitely seen the little message at the top of your page manager that says, Apple's making changes that are going to affect the uh, the success of your uh, advertising campaigns. Click here to learn more or something to that effect. Um, so Facebook has taken this and argued that without full access to the IDFA, um, they won't be able to accurately target ads uh, to the detail they do now, which is true. However, um, there, there's, a, there's a particular level, uh, especially with Facebook, of additional tracking that they do that you don't know about. Websites can put the Facebook tracking pixel on their pages and give Facebook even more data based on your mobile or desktop device. It's one of the reasons why we talk about uh, pure VPN as part of the filter point has been a way around that. Um, but Apple is giving people who are legitimately worried about you know the data that Facebook's collecting, and let's be honest, this has a lot to do with Facebook, a little to do with Google, and very little to do with everybody else. Um, <laughs> um, you know, we have talked about the the public's trust issues with Facebook and its data collection and retention policies um, a lot since Cambridge. Um, and so it's not surprising that something like this has happened. Uh, Facebook is trying one last crazy uh, Hail Mary play. Uh, they are considering a lawsuit Interestingly, an anti-competitive lawsuit against Apple, which is a very different one from the one filed by Epic Games and the uh, the Coalition for App Fairness, um, because the Coalition for App Fairness is arguing that Apple is using its position uh, to prevent users from using the the platform the way they want, and Facebook is arguing. Um, that the opposite, that Apple is allowing users to use their platform how they want. So it's a fascinating argument. The The EFF has said there's no chance that this doesn't get thrown out <laughs> on summary judgment, let alone make it to a trial. Um, it It's definitely an interesting uh, uh, appeal, Avram. Yeah, I mean... The, I think, you know, good, good, 
good luck to Facebook. I don't think that they're going to, I mean, especially their reputation right now is mm -hmm. not good with anyone. Yeah. So I don't think Apple would like to be seen as doing any favors to Facebook True. Uh, to help them. So sorry, sorry, Facebook, uh, you know, like, uh, after everything that's happened with them, with Cambridge Analytica and, and all that stuff, mm -hmm. I don't think anybody wants to be seen as um, as as helping giving Facebook more access to data. Yeah, for for sure. And and you you know you mentioned that they're kind of in hot water with everybody. They're in hot water with themselves. Their own independent oversight board uh, doesn't like their practices and overruled four four big decisions this week like it seems like nobody is quite on facebook side so you're absolutely right i can't imagine anybody wanting to wanting a headline that says you know company a helped facebook collect data <laughs> doesn't doesn't seem like that would be good for for anybody's business model. Um, on the other side of things is Google, which I said it was a lot about Facebook, a little about Google, and not really about anybody else. Um, Google has recognized that there is no appeal uh, that is going to work, possibly because uh, they don't want to be on, on the same fight as Facebook on the same side, uh, and partially because they probably know that Apple's not backing down on this. So they have announced that they will be switching technologies in their in their apps on iOS. Instead of using the IDFA, they will be switching to the SKAD network, which is another system within iOS from Apple. Um, it is not as robust. It is not as um, not as detailed, and uh, also does not require the dialogue. <laughs> so um, so they're going to be switching to that. Uh, effective soon from what I understand uh, possibly as soon as their next uh, app updates for all of their platforms it's it is definitely interesting that that these two companies who normally uh, when it comes to to data are tend to be on the same side have taken very different tactics here um, Tim Cook has been I I know people would argue with this, but I've never quite thought he was a great leader, but he's definitely strong against external forces, um, which is, which is good in his position. You know, he's, he's obviously not Steve jobs. He's a very different person. Steve jobs was, you know, a strong leader. He got people to do things. He got people internally excited uh, yeah, external fa forces happened and he even got fired from his own company. But um, they're different people. But Tim Cook has been very strong against external forces. And so I think Google just recognized, oh, we're not going to win this. There's no way out. <laughs> um, so uh, Google, we won't hear about again on this. Facebook, we will uh, when this lawsuit is inevitably thrown out of court and i think that is the only next step here so yeah they have no leg to stand on yeah exactly um and the uh the the 
new version of iOS with this feature active. Um, the developers don't have to do anything. Uh, it's just like like uh, when uh, iOS 14's first uh, betas came out, uh, particularly public betas, uh, we saw that Snapchat was uh, listening to the microphone when it shouldn't have been. Uh, Instagram was was uh, firing up the camera whenever the app was active because dialogues and stuff just started to show up. This is going to work the same way. Um, the apps don't have to be updated to include this. The first time they try to access the IDFA, this dialogue will come up and it'll fail, um, uh, fail the request uh, if you say no. So it might fail out the apps, but that's not your problem. Uh, the, the beta for this is already out uh, for developers. So Apple is close to putting this into practice. And honestly, I think, I think it's a good thing. Uh, I think I think we will be seeing it early spring uh, is the timeline that's expected on it. So Facebook does not have much time before this thing goes into effect. And like you said, they don't have a leg to stand on anyway. So it's not going anywhere. This feature is coming out and it's coming out soon. <laughs> This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all your devices. And you can get a special price all by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. All right, it's been a little while since we've gotten to to do this. We have got a uh, a full on demo tonight, right, Avram? Yes. Well, if I can lift it. <laughs> um, so uh, this right here is oh, um, is the Alienware M seventeen R four. The M seventeen has uh, been is an existing model, but this is the R4 is brand new, just came out a few days ago, and I have one here that I've been testing. Uh, this is the fastest gaming laptop that I've ever seen uh, for a couple of, and faster than many that have the same graphics card. So this, uh, you can get this with either an RTX 3070 or 3080, but this one here has the 3080, and it has a 10980H, a Core i9 10980HK CPU. So it's got the fastest uh, mobile CPU and the fastest mobile graphics card in it. Uh, and, uh, and it also has dun, 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 a, uh, this neat, I don't know if, if you can see it easily, RGB keyboard uh, with numeric oh. keypad. Um, and above the numeric keypad, if we can zoom in here, there's four customizable macro keys uh, labeled ABC. Um, now this design has been around since last year as far as the chassis goes, but if you're not a student of Alienware designs, this is called the Legend design and it looks kind of like an alien spaceship. You have this honeycomb design above the keyboard. It was the first thing I noticed. Um, in, in the back, the honeycomb grill is on the back 
this the alien head and the uh, I don't know what you call this thing exhaust section lights are both uh, customizable as is the keyboard light which is actually four zones and they have a configuration where you can get it per key RGB as well um, and uh, I believe you can also customize the alien head uh, power button which this is a power button here now uh, this thing is 17 this is so this is they make a 15 and a 17 this is the 17 I tested the 15 last week uh, if you care about carrying things around I definitely recommend the 15 uh, this is 6.6 .6 pounds and it really feels it um, but uh, you know that's because they rather than going for thin and light Alienware has gone for maximum performance. So a lot of the other systems that we've tested with 3080 in them, including uh, the Gigabyte Aorus 17G, got easily 10, 15, 20% lower frame rates on game on the same games because they're using uh, NVIDIA Max-Q technology, which is max quiet, right? Maximum, Max-Q, they don't really want to say, you know, they don't really advertise much, but... The Max-Q technology is designed to make your system quieter and cooler, which is, you know, more power efficient, but at the expense of, of performance. This goes the opposite direction, and, you know, it's heavy. The battery life is only two hours compared to, like, four hours on competitors. Uh, so you'll definitely want to bring the pretty hefty power brick with you. Um, but, and you will hear the fan. But... The performance is the best. Um, now, this unit here comes with uh, that I have has a 1080p uh, 360 hertz display, uh, and the color on it is pretty good. Um, there's also a 4K panel option, which I haven't, which I had, which I haven't tested, that claims to have 100% of Adobe RGB gamut. So should actually, but is only 60 hertz. Um, on the 15, which I tested last week, that has that has a 4K panel that's OLED, and that thing is unbelievable looking. Uh, but we tested that with the 3070. It's not clear whether the 3080 would perform as well in that as it does in this. It probably would, because uh, they're they're similar. Uh, but that being a smaller chassis got much warmer, uh, you know, with the keyboard on the 15 getting as high as like 130 degrees Fahrenheit when um, when we were running running a game. Now, granted, that was the base of the keyboard. The actual keycaps didn't feel quite that warm, but, um, you know, it wasn't impossible to use, but it was quite warm. Uh, this stays cooler uh, because it's got a bigger chassis. Uh, to disperse the air, I think, uh, and those fans are really, really pumped up. Uh, but I mean, this this is really good. Like on max settings on Grand Theft Auto Five, which granted is a somewhat old game, we got 120 FPS. On other games that are really, really tough, like Red Dead Redemption Two, uh, you know, and and uh, you know, and. Uh, on uh, Cyberpunk 2077. So I played Cyberpunk 2077 on this um, uh, at Ultra RTX settings. And there I was still able to get something like, uh, you know, 70 to 80 FPS. Wow. Um, 
and you know that's a very demanding game. Uh, if I would, if I turned the ray tracing off, it went up to more like eighty to ninety FPS. Um, so uh, you know the audio on this is really good. Uh, you know, not fantastic, a little bit of tingus, but it's good. Um, and you know the viewing angles in this matte display are are good. Now this is an expensive product. It starts at I think around twenty three hundred dollars with the thirty seventy. Uh, the one that we have I have in front of me here, because it's decked out, and not only does it have the highest end CPU and the highest end GPU, but it's got 32 gigs of RAM, and it has a somewhat strange storage configuration where it has two as three SSDs, as two in RAID zero uh, that are one terabyte each, so two terabyte drive, and then uh, a 512. Not sure why you'd really need a 512 if you already have two terabytes, but okay. Um, but, uh, this thing is about $3,500. So, um, you know, but if you want the best performance, uh, this is it. And I don't see performance getting any better on another laptop unless someone were to put, were to basically put a desktop CPU in it or a desktop graphics card, which we have seen people do in the past. And that makes something not even really a laptop anymore. Um, you can also see this has a lot of ports on it. Um, it has a Thunderbolt 3 port in the back. It's got mini, mini DP, HDMI 2.1. Um, it's got its share of USBs. It also has 2.5 gigabit Ethernet on the side, and it's got uh, Wi-Fi, killer uh, Wi-Fi 6. So wow. um, aside from all of the specs and the performance, the keyboard feels really good. It has a really, really, like, I'm very picky about keyboards, as I think people know me know, um, especially laptop keyboards. This one has a is 1.7 millimeters of travel, which is really good and very springy. I got some of, did some of my best typing on this. Uh, I would, you know, love that. I love this keyboard. Um, it, it's, it's fantastic. The touchpad is really large and gives you lots of room. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, this is a lot, has a lot going for it. Obviously what it doesn't have going for it is, uh, it's heavy, but if you were buying a 17 inch laptop, you'd kind of expect that, I guess. Uh, it, it doesn't have long battery life, but again, not very portable. So do you care? Uh, and you know, it has, uh, it's share of fan noise, uh, because it's, it, but you can limit that by, uh, tweaking your, tweaking your thermal profile. Uh, which you have control all over. You can even try to, if you have the Core i9, you can even try uh, overclocking settings on it. So um, so it's got a lot going on. That's the Alienware M17 R4, and we will have a review of it up on Tom's Hardware uh, in just a couple of days. Very cool. Now, I have a question. When you have it closed and you have held it up... Uh, there is, I think it's your right side on the top. There are, uh-huh. there's a square on the sur- on the surface. Oh, this? Yes. This is not a square. This is the letter, this is the number 17 in a sci-fi font. Oh, yes, it's it is. It's a little hard to see. Yes, it is. It's a little hard to see. It's the number 17 and it's in a, and by the way, the LA, uh, this comes in white and black, I should say. 
the white is called like lunar light and the black is dark side of the moon. Uh, so this is the lunar light one. Uh, the M15, which I have viewed, the review is live already. It looks exactly the same, except it says 15 instead of 17, and it's smaller. Um, uh, and uh, what I will say about the 15 that I really liked is the OLED display. And this, the 17 comes with a more colorful 4K display, but the 15 comes with OLED, and OLED is just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Now, OLED is limited to 60 hertz, so if you really want high-speed gaming, then you might not... Um, you know, you might not uh, care uh, for for 60 hertz, but man, OLED just looks so beautiful. Uh, I mean, and you can't get an OLED monitor even. Well, I think you can for like thousands and thousands or an OLED TV. You can't normally get an OLED monitor on almost anything. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, while the colors on the 1080 screen here look okay, the colors on the OLED are better than real life. I would like to kind of just carry the OLED around with a camera and and like look at everybody and everything with OLED because OLED looks even better than real life. <laughs> um, uh, instead of saying someone is looking through rose-colored glasses, we should say OLED-colored glasses, <laughs> OLED glasses. But the um, yeah, so um, definitely really powerful, great design, um, real winners from Alienware. Very cool. I can see, uh, obviously, I don't spend a whole lot of time gaming, but as you were talking on specs and all that, I I'm seeing uh, in the in the office below the tower at CES, a couple of people with these editing videos <laughs> and trying to get stuff published well, yeah, you, from mean, the floor. It would be you, unbelievable. You, and I could, you could carry him in a, yeah. I mean, you would hate yourself, but you could get through uh, an airport with a bag. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I wouldn't personally wouldn't get a 17 inch laptop. Some people would. And for them, this size is good. Um, I would get the 15, but the 15 does run warmer. Uh, but I would get the 15 because the 15 is much more, much easier to carry. It also doesn't have a good battery life, but at least it gets about four hours. Uh, and it has the OLED, has the possible OLED panel. So, um, but, you yeah. know, and I would get it with a 3080 if possible, if you can afford it. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely going to be great for productivity. So yeah. all the things that make it good for gaming make it great for productivity. And if you get in 4K, then it's really good for video editing and mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, so one of the things that Michelle and I have talked about and had hoped to maybe to put into into practice this year, but obviously, you know, things went sideways. Um, was the ability to um, to essentially from upstairs once an hour dump our dump our video downstairs and let somebody, cause we've got an upstairs and a downstairs for our studio and uh, let people start editing and everything. Uh, and maybe, you know, that would be our, that would be our big, you know, maybe a Patreon push or something was the ability to, to have all those videos individually published and ready to go in, in Patreon during the event. So, you know, it's uh <laughs> this would be the thing that would make that possible. Cause obviously you're not going to do it on, on this laptop, you know, 
or, or something like that. Or, or you'd have to bring, you know, both of the, the beasts, one for upstairs, one for downstairs. And that's just, that's crazy. It's hard enough for us to get through, <laughs> to get through TSA with, with one beast, let alone trying to bring both of them with us. Uh, so it's, it's, it is a cool laptop. I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of promise for it. You said the, the review will be up this week. Yep. Very cool. Well, I can't wait to, to read the, the full detailed review, but it sure sounds like, um, a computer that I would like to have yesterday. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's a, that, that's saying a lot because, you know, I've had my, my mixed dealings with, with Dell and its sub brands over the years. So, you know, for me to, to say I would like one now is, is really saying something. So, <laughs> Well, as always, Avram, I appreciate it. I I love talking computers when you have something brand new, and I look forward to what we talk about next time. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is probably powered by Razer. Get all the accessories you need to up your game on your PC, console, or mobile device from Razer. Whether you're looking for a gaming mouse and keyboard like we use in the studio, a webcam and light for your Twitch stream, or an entire gaming setup, you can find it all at Razer by going to f5live.tv slash Razer. All right, it's been, it's been a little while since GeForce Now uh, went from... It's working beta to its semi not working public release uh, and all of the weird uh, weirdness that came about when that release happened. Uh, we talked about it um, shortly after it released. Publishers started to uh, request that their games not be available on the platform and it kind of screwed up the promise of what GeForce Now was all about, which was games that you own you'd be able to play they thought they had a <laughs> they thought they had a plan to get there and it was a little shaky for a while it has it is pretty much uh smoothed out it's not entirely the original promise but gamers are coming back people are happy with what's going on uh and so their next goal of course was the same as everybody who's doing cloud uh gaming and that was uh, bringing about uh, access on devices that cloud gaming services aren't allowed on. In particular, Apple devices. Um, we know that Microsoft and Google and Facebook have all struggled uh, to get Apple to come around. We talked a little while ago that Tim Cook is not afraid to fight outside forces. And so the Apple has mostly said, eh. <laughs> and so things haven't changed. So what has happened uh, is GeForce now uh, has built a web presence. It's the same thing that, that Google did. It's the same thing that Microsoft is working on. GeForce now is, is uh, available in November. Uh, it came out 
with support for Safari, of course, because they were trying to get onto Apple devices uh, the easy way. And uh, now they have also added uh, Chrome support. Interestingly, uh, it does not work on Chromium-powered Edge. They prevent you from using it, despite the fact that it is Chrome. Uh, so I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if they'll they'll work that out uh, in in the short term. Maybe there's legitimate like a, a difference of of behavior between them. They're trying to work it out. Um, you know, the first thing I'm going to try after this, right? Is loading this up. I'm going to try. I'm going to. Tr- Go ahead. Is, I'm going to try this on a Raspberry Pi. Nice. Which comes, which which comes with Chrome, which which uses Chromium, not Chrome. Oh. It doesn't use Edge, but it uses Chromium. Yep. Um, because they Google does not have like an official Chrome for like ARM processors. Got it. So. So it has Chromium, not official Chrome. So we'll have to see. Yeah. whether whether it works yeah i i have a feeling they're doing a very basic um uh user agent string uh scan because i had to edit ces videos uh while i was writing this article i did try to log in with edge and it was like <laughs> no um what i didn't do was open up f12 and tell it to lie and say it was chrome and see if it worked uh, <laughs> which will definitely be on my list of things. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, things that's definitely, that definitely something to try. I mean, this is, uh, this is exciting. Cause it means, cause it means there's more, more places that you could run it. Like uh, now, do we know if it will work on mobile Chrome or mobile? Uh, yeah. On Chrome for phones and tablets. Theoretically. Um, again, I think it's doing a user agent string uh, scan and looking for uh, doing like a regex on Chrome and then a, a build number. Um, so my guess is yes. Um, it may it may run. I wonder how the controls will work then, though. Uh, it um, uh, both iOS and Android uh, allow you to pair an Xbox One controller, so you could do it with a controller. Uh, yeah. You could use the uh, you could use the Razer. Chronos, I think that's what it's called, uh, mobile controller, uh, which has been really popular on Android devices for uh, Project X Cloud, um, and and for Stadia, because uh, it's natural. It's almost like having a switch, which is is pretty cool. Depending on your phone, obviously, but it's it's similar to to holding a switch. Uh, so my my guess is there'd probably be lots of options on how to do that. Um, uh, my my goal is to get far enough ahead in editing this week that I can uh, I have an Xbox controller for the office that I use uh, for testing these types of things. Uh, so my goal is to do like a big test to try it on the Mac with Safari, on the PC with chromium chrome and edge and see if i can lie and get it to work that's that's part of my hopes for this week because and then you know hopefully i'd be able to do it on uh on android and ios too i think there's we we've talked about this a lot usually in in regards to project x cloud um 
because you know it, just like we've talked about with the video services right all of the all of the competitors in this space are trying to differentiate themselves microsoft is easy for them to differentiate themselves they've got a huge catalog of xbox exclusives okay um then you've got um you've got geforce now that tried to differentiate itself saying well if you've got it on on steam or ed uh, epic or wherever you can play it it's a remote desktop so i there's I've been really excited about this concept. And so long as it works well, because Project X Cloud works really well. I've got a Galaxy S10 Plus. Uh, I've got my Surface Duo. I've I've used it on both. And it works unbelievably well. Um, if it works even half as well as those two do, there's a lot of potential here. So I'm I'm super excited about this. Yeah, I mean, I've always, listen, I tested GeForce Now a long, it was in beta seemingly forever. Mm -hmm. I think it was in beta for like two or three years. Almost I mean, as it long was in beta as Gmail. a really long time. Yeah, it was in beta <laughs> a really long time. Uh, at one point, I got, um, it, after it had been around for like a year, uh, NVIDIA gave me a trial account to test it out, and I did. Uh, and I was using it on uh, both uh, my laptop, which has integrated graphics, so definitely not a gaming, definitely not good for gaming, uh, on its own, and on an NVIDIA Shield TV uh, box. And when when I was able to get in, the connection was good. It was fantastic. Worked great. Um, there were definitely issues with some issues with getting kicked out at the time, yeah. uh, and occasionally things would get. Uh, or, or, or like they wouldn't let you in because it was oh, busy or whatever. Um, now, uh, but almost every game was available. And then, of course, once it went to a paid service, all these publishers pulled, demanded their games be pulled, which mm -hmm. seems kind of unfair because, I mean, you paid for the game on Steam, mm -hmm. right? Like, why? it's my game. What, what is your problem with my using somebody else's computer to play it? Um, which is what effectively GeForce Now is. You're using their um, their computer to play it. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, it it works. You know, when it works, it works really, and your game is supported. It works really well. Yeah, frighteningly so because because you know, I kind of want gaming computers to still be <laughs> a thing. And if you and if this worked perfectly, if cloud gaming worked perfectly, like why wouldn't you just buy? you know, a low, a lower end computer and, and use the cloud, uh, for, for all your processing, but it doesn't work perfectly. So, so there's that, but I have to say when it uh, works, it works really well. I think the reliability has probably gone up, uh, mm -hmm. since they actually started making a paying service. Yeah. Uh, even as the number of titles have gone down, but they have got some back. And if you like cyberpunk, cyberpunk 2077 is supported on GeForce Now. So that's something you can play. That'll be what I what I test it with. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see. And I think you get I think you get ray tracing uh, with GeForce Now. So so you you will get conceivably even if you have discrete graphics, if your discrete graphics aren't you know on the higher on the higher end or the middle to higher end, if you've got some older graphics card, uh, this might still be an upgrade for you. Yeah. it the, the the promise of the technology, I mean, 
dating back to OnLive, the pr- the promise of the technology, and there's a there's a brand name for you guys, uh, has has always been high, um, but the success of the technology has, until recently, consistently failed. You know, it on live being a great example, um, that was way ahead of its time, uh, and uh, and you know it's the the promise is there. It's obviously it's not going to be the focus for everybody. There's, there's some people who are always going to want to have that local capability. They're going to want to be able to, to do things on their own hardware. There's the, the builders and the hobbyists and the, you know, the, the Simon game you built, you didn't have to do that. You could have gone and bought one. There's always going to be people like us. (laughs) Oh, it was so much more effort. Believe me. uh, than. Than buying one, but what's the fun of that? Right, and that, that's you know, and that's what I mean. There's always going to be people uh, like us that are willing to go way beyond what is even rational um, because there's because yeah. there's fun to be had in in the project. So you know, it at no point will all gaming go go cloud by any means. Um, but you know, there's. There's the ability to 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 resurrect old games, uh, things that require weird hardware configurations to be able to play. Um, you know, one of my favorite games, PC games of the the deep past, was Populous. Um, you can't play that on a modern computer because it runs fast. It <laughs> you can't slow the timeline down, and the little guys just go when they're gone. <laughs> I've tried. Um, so, I mean, for games like that, I literally keep a 486 around to be able to play old games. So, I mean, the ability to to, to emulate out uh, and be able to even play old games is is a pretty cool capability. So, I, I'm looking forward to to uh, messing around with this in a lot of browsers this week, uh, if everything goes right. So, fingers crossed. But it, I, I did try pull- it on the 486. <laughs> Indeed. Oh my god. Oh, that would be fascinating. Whether or not I'd be able to get a build of Chrome to run on it would be the real challenge. But yes. Uh, but may, maybe I could get another browser to lie and say that it is. Anyway, um it would be uh it I I'm looking forward to seeing how this runs. It ran well in Chrome. I pulled it up in Chrome uh for a short while just to see uh what would happen and it worked well. So I'm I'm guessing that my my perf- my uh, experience will be similar across <laughs> across space and time. We'll see, uh, and hopefully I'll be able to report back next week. This week's news from the tubes and F5 Live is proudly powered by Riff Tracks. Make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities. It's like watching a movie with your funniest friends. And to find out about all of the full-length features, the short films, TV episodes, and live events, you can go to f5live.tv slash rifftracks with an X. All right, this is a complicated topic. Um, if you 
aren't at least marginally aware of what's been happening, uh, you have slept through this past week. What we're talking about is the weirdness that has been the stock market and GameStop in particular. We're going to ignore everybody else because it started with uh, GameStop um, and we can talk about some of the other ones a little while. Um, what in the world happened? Um, so there's there's a couple of things to know. First, what short selling is and what it is not. Short selling is when an investor borrows a share of a stock or more from another investor, from an owner, and promising to give it back in a certain period of time with a fee for the lend. And then what they do is they sell that share, expecting the price to go down. They buy it back at a lower price and then give the new stock back to the original owner. There's been a lot of talk about uh, short selling being destructive to to the stock or to the market. It's not. Uh, basically, it is an investor who recognizes that a stock price is incorrect and is predicting that it's going to correct itself. Uh, and so that brings us to GameStop. GameStop's stock, for whatever reason, has been too high. Um, it has been... GameStop, interestingly, and it's interesting that that it's this stock that all of this happened with because uh, the jokes that have come out of it have been just oh, absolutely wonderful. I'm glad they knocked the Bernie mittens off the internet because, wow, has this week been a lot more fun for memes. Um, because GameStop is known for offering you $0.30 cents for a $60 video game and then putting it back on the shelf for $54. Uh, and so, and <laughs> yeah. so their stock price has basically mimicked their business model. What happened was, um, a group of, of amateur investors on a group, uh, on, uh, Reddit called wall street bets, um, that has been around for a while. And what they do is they take on interesting wall street challenges. In this particular case, they recognized that a number of hedge funds, one in particular, had taken out a very large um, uh, short option on GameStop. In fact, uh, and, and this is going to sound crazy, totally possible and uh, has very little impact on the stock price. 140% of all of GameStop's, GameStop's public stock had been shorted. <laughs> I know. How can you short more than 100%? Uh-huh. Um, by borrowing, borrowing stock that has already been shorted from the people who purchased it in the short. I know it is like, I, I warned people at the beginning of this, this is a complicated topic. So I borrow a stock from you and I sell it. And then uh, I sell it to Michelle and Michelle then lends that stock to, Danielle and Danielle shorts it as well. So, so that's, that's how you can get to 140%. Um, so what wall street bets did was they said, there's a lot of, of short options out there. That means that the ability to affect the stock price will be easy. 
as so much stuff is locked up in shorts. So what they did is they bought the stocks that had been shorted uh, through through platforms like Robinhood and things like that, and the stock price went through the roof. When I say through the roof, I mean it went from like $38 a share to almost 500 at one point. So it's, it's unbelievable what they managed to do by getting just a truly in the grand scheme of things, a small group of, of, of private investors together. The, the board on, on Reddit had about 2 million members, but if everybody buys three at $38, boy, does that screw up the price? Now here's the thing about shorting a stock at some point you have to buy it back so you can give it back to the original owner. Ah, so as the stock price is going up, You've got to get out. The institutional investors have to get out. And so they have to buy the stock back at the higher price, meaning the price will continue to go up. But here's the thing. And this is the this is the part that people who got in in the second wave and beyond may not understand. Um, they're not going to be selling the stock for that price. Because the demand, the floor, has come out. All of, the, all of the institutional investors have bought back what they needed. The price has peaked. Um, and now, nobody wants it. And so the floor is going to fall out from this thing. And so, uh, one of... Th this is why uh, reactionary things, especially in investing, are a bad idea... Because uh, the people who got in last in phases two and beyond are going to get hit hard on the price. They likely bought it in the 100, 200 range. And it's very likely that we're going to see this thing back to in the $30 range real quick. So the people who got in early and were part of the Wall Street Bets group already got out. Because the whole the whole idea was to to take advantage of the, the hedge funds that made a bet. Two gamblers <laughs> made bets against each other. One side's going to win. It was the Reddit group that won in this case. And it's the people who didn't quite understand what was happening that are not going to win. Because the hedge funds have already taken out a new line of credit and moved on with their day. The people from the Reddit board have sold their stock to the investors at $400 a share when they bought it at 35. Um, and that's leaving these other people holding the bag, which I think sucks. Um, it's a weird story for sure. Um, that got Facebook fame, which is why people got into it without quite understanding what was happening. There was like a counterculture belief <laughs> happening. And that wasn't really what was happening. Cause no, Wall Street wasn't being robbed for the little guy. That's not what happened. Um, and and uh, no, nothing legally is going to come of it because there's nothing illegal or immoral about shorting. There's nothing. So why did Robinhood block it? So that's a fascinating question. There's a lot of theories as to why Robinhood blocked it. Um, their business model is a little different than most trading platforms. Uh, because the ownership model isn't entirely 
one-to-one, you don't exactly own the stock. You kind of own stock in the stock. Um, and Robinhood will make, similar to a hedge fund, will oftentimes make other stock purchases behind the scenes uh, automatically based on demand for a stock. So my prediction is that that automatic purchasing ended up getting in the way and adding to the trouble uh, that was happening with with the stock price. And so they had to do something to prevent themselves from accidentally manipulating the market and ending up with stocks. They didn't want to be in the same position that the people who were getting in late were getting into. So that's one possibility. Another possibility is uh, what TD Ameritrade said, because they also shut down trading uh, for a short while on GameStop. They said that they were trying to prevent uh, their customer. Essentially, they were trying to prevent their customers from being the bottom tier of a Ponzi scheme, uh, which isn't, I mean, that's not really their words, but it's basically what they were saying because in what's a Ponzi scheme, right? The guy on top sells a dollar to two people and those people sell that that same dollar to four people. And, and that's kind of what happened here. And the people at the bottom, like I said earlier, the ones that are going to get hurt um, because the floor is going to fall out. At some point, the Ponzi scheme collapses and the people at the bottom are the ones who don't get out of it. And that's kind of what's going to happen here. So TD Ameritrade kind of suggested that the reason they shut trading down for a short while was they didn't want their customers to be that bottom tier in, in this theoretical Ponzi scheme. So Robin Hood might have been there. Um, there's also an interesting conspiracy theory um, that's going around that's based on some pretty sound uh, reasoning. Uh, one of the one of the big investors in Robinhood, one of the 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 ownership people, one of the organizations, the ownership stake in Robinhood, is the owner of the hedge fund that started all of this. Um, and so I, th- there's definitely conspiracy theory that the that the investor said, stop this so we don't go out of business uh, and that they acquiesced. There's no real telling exactly uh, why Robin Hood did what they did, but they weren't the only ones. They're just the ones that are getting the attention, partially because of their name and partially because it's the platform that started it all because it's the... You know, their whole thing is democratizing uh, investment because you can buy a single share of something, which you could never do in a real investment environment because you pay fees. Robinhood doesn't have fees. So, okay, um, I can buy one share. You know, my my uh, my cost for the purchase is zero versus 350. Whether you buy one share or a thousand shares at, say, TD. Uh, or Scott trade or something like that. Um, you know, if you're paying $3.50 for a single share of a company on top of the stock price, it's got to do a lot of things to justify that purchase. Right. But Robinhood doesn't have that fee. So, you know, they, uh, they, they were the source of a lot of what was happening. Um, so I, there, there's a lot, that's why they're receiving a lot of the attention. But again, they weren't the only ones to, to either suspend or slow down or whatever uh, trading. 
But a lot of it, I my guess is a lot of it has to do with the way they actually do trades because they hold the stocks. Like, you can't call up Robin Hood and say, I would like the certificates, please. That's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, but you can with TD or Scott or somebody like that. You can call and say, all right, I would like my certificates, please. And they will send you the actual stock certificates. Uh, you can't do that with Robin Hood. So, you know, the ownership is a little different. So their risk is higher. So I'm not entirely surprised. But, I mean, here's the thing. What Robin Hood did managed to get Ted Cruz and uh, we're not supposed to use her AMC. initials. We're apparently not. Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah, there we go. We're apparently not supposed to use her initials because it's racist, but it's her Twitter handle. Anyway, I don't know. Um, oh. I don't know. Any, anyway, um, got the two of them on the same page for a minute until that conversation went off the rails too, but <laughs> because everything about this story is weird. <laughs> There's the, the fact that, okay, the fact that this story has created this weird, like, counterculture eat the rich and, and I'm not kidding, a sea shanty that is now my ringtone on one of my phones because it's amazing. Um, somebody recorded a sea shanty about this. This is the weirdest story ever. <laughs> Look, I think what everyone is, I think what is made it a story, I mean, obviously, games, there, I think there's a lot of things going on here that are, that are, it's the perfect, interesting for people. It's the perfect storm of weird. Yeah, it, it is. Well, first of all, I think whatever what uh, politicians on both sides of the aisle agree on is that uh, people should be uh, allowed to buy a stock if they want to. Uh, and and so companies that are saying, hey, you can't buy the stock mm -hmm. uh, for whatever the reason is, yeah. seems kind of, whatever the reason is, that's kind of, that's not good. The whole, right? Like people the should, whole point, now granted they could go to another it's, platform. It's literally the point of like the, the stock market is supposed to be the epitome of the free market. And this turned out to not be that. Obviously there are certain, you can't pump and dump. There's certain things where you can't actively defraud other people. But in general, yeah, the idea is it's supposed to be as close to the perfect free market as you can have. And oh, it didn't quite work out that way. Right. The other thing is that it kind of proves, and you know, we didn't talk about the other companies that were also had saw like AMC as the other one, right? So you have two AM companies in GameStop. AMC, and I, this is the again the perfect storm of weird. AMC, which in December said that they had about eight weeks of working capital left before they might have to close right. their doors forever. AMC saw what was about to happen put additional stock on the market about 20, 15, 20% into their stock increase. And they managed to get themselves out of inevitable bankruptcy. Right. So, so here's the thing though, right? Everybody, I think what this proves again and again is that the market is not, is run by the market, market prices are determined by people and they're not, they're not, they're not always rational, right? Right. Um, we, we have a market, we have a marketplace in which Apple is, can have an extremely profitable quarter, 
But if investors think that it should have been more profitable, the stock will go down. You can have a company that's, you know, kind of on on the downside of its, you know, going going downhill. Tesla, like a GameStop, or uh, and but if they do better than people thought they would, their stock price goes up. Mm-hmm. Like there's no there's really no justice. Like if you're a company that keeps turning up profits, shouldn't people be happy? But they're not because the price goes down. So I think what what people I mean, what you could look at it as is a bunch of investors said, hey, we want now. They probably weren't being magnanimous in this, but they could have said, hey, we like this GameStop. We want to own, we want to own a piece of it. We want, we want to support this company, or we like we want AMC to stay in business because if AMC goes out of business, my family might not be able to go to the movies. Right. I mean, maybe that's a little bit of a stretch, but well, I mean, what, they're the number one theater chain, and right. if they go out of business, that means a lot to the movie industry. On on right? GN, on, and, and, on the GNC uh, Week in Review show, uh, just before the end of the year, when we talked about that they only had like eight weeks of of capital left, um, I did a search for movie theaters uh, in like a fifty mile radius of where I was. And like 17 of 22 theaters were AMC. So yeah, they own the marketplace. Right. So if AMC, so what is wrong with a bunch of investors deciding, hey, we know this company having more of a, I don't know, either being civic minded or having more of a long view instead of a short view like most investors have and saying like, hey, movie theaters are going to come back at some point. Uh, but they will only come back if we can keep this keep AMC going. Uh, because if AMC goes out of business, that means a lot of tr- trouble for the movie industry. You know, it, it it has just a really broad impact on 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 the culture, everything. If if movie theater if the movie theater industry goes goes kaput, so instead of looking at the short valuations are always based on oh i think this company is going to do better this quarter and 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 are very very short-sighted very often maybe maybe people are looking you know what is wrong with people looking at a company that is underperforming right now and saying like hey i think i'd like to support this company i'd like to support this company i'd like to help them stay in business so i'm gonna buy so i'm gonna buy some shares i think i mean Maybe that's not why people are buying AMC, but the end result is that AMC may stay in business and people right. may be able to go to the movies uh, next year that right. wouldn't be. And movie studios and movie studios should be the ones buy, actually buying the shares. Uh, you know, will be able to come out with their movies and have people watch them. Yeah. If AMC can weather, can stay in business another six months or a year with almost no. Uh, with almost no people using it. Yeah. Now it is important to note that just because a stock price goes up or down, that doesn't necessarily mean that it affects the company in any, in any way, shape or form. The only way that it does is if they then share, sell additional shares to take advantage of that price, which is exactly what AMC did. AMC was super smart about it. They saw the opportunity. They're like, all right, well, you know what? Let's put some extra shares out on the market Let's figure out what we'd have, how many units we'd have to sell to be able to to keep the lights on for however long, and they made a 
uh, an additional release of, of shares, which was brilliant. In GameStop's case, they didn't put any ad additional shares out onto the market, so it didn't affect their their operations in any way, um, but it did bring attention back to GameStop uh, in a way, well, both positive and negative, because a lot of the jokes were about the, the value of the stock price and comparing it to their business model, but... <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know there was, you know, there there's a lot of attention back on a on a company that a lot of people thought had faded. Um, you know, with with all digital consoles, both PlayStation and uh, and Xbox in this generation. You know, there's a certainly concern about uh, GameStop's future. It was a smart idea for them to to make that deal with with Microsoft. I don't know if a Sony equivalent is coming, um, but that can help them keep the lights on for a while. But there, there's definitely a lot of attention back on them. Again, both good and bad. But uh, but yeah, if in in one of these situations, if there's a you know if if there's a way to leverage it, like what AMC did, because it was truly a clever a clever solution. Uh, the way they leveraged what was going on was brilliant so uh it there's no telling what the next couple of weeks are gonna look like here um for sure the gamestop price is gonna crash there there's no doubt about that that floor is gonna gonna fall out um and then the institutional investors will buy it back for a fraction and they'll be back in business um but like you said there's more going on blackberry uh, the old, the old Nokia, <laughs> not the current Nokia, but the old Nokia, which is weird. The company that used to be Blockbuster Video are, are all seeing stock increases for this same reason. So it and um and a cryptocurrency that was created as a joke um has gone up over tenfold in the last couple of days. Uh, Dogecoin. So you know what. <laughs> people are bored because we've been in lockdown for almost a year. So people are looking for ways to get boredom out. Um, the last couple of weeks and months have, have really amped up uh, tensions between what would be the elite class, wall street, political classes, things like that. And the common man, and so that that definitely led to part of what was happening with GameStop. At one point, Robin, I read that two thirds of all Robinhood customers held at least one share of GameStop at one point this week, <laughs> <laughs> which is bonkers. Um, so this is not the end. Uh, this is the beginning of of a reset. Uh, in in the stock and security uh, marketplace, they happen from time to time. Obviously, we know there was one in the 1920s. It's interesting we're a hundred years ahead and we're doing it again. Um, but there was there was a reset in the 1980s. There was a reset in the 1950s. And every time somebody comes up with a with an algorithm to beat the market. And the market resets and makes the algorithm irrelevant. So <laughs> there's going to be new things that come out of this. There's going to be insurance on on big losses and things that didn't exist. It's it's going to change things. Uh, but the thing that stock markets uh, seem to always do is uh, 
correct themselves. So my guess is we will see that happen, but it's not going to be for a while. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is probably powered by Amazon Prime. You know you get free shipping on millions of products, but you get a whole lot more for your subscription. You get free music with Amazon Prime Music, you get free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video, free games, and a free Twitch subscription with Amazon Prime Gaming, and a whole lot more. And we've got information, quick links to all these features, and more. A 30-day free trial if you're not exi an existing customer, and the ability to purchase and give Prime as a gift, all by going to f5live.tv slash Prime. All right. Uh, this this is an interesting new feature. We know uh, YouTube has been uh, doing new things to try and compete in an ever-changing uh, streaming video landscape. You know, long ago, <laughs> it was kind of just YouTube. Now you've got Vimeo and Twitch and Facebook gaming and all kinds of other places where you can watch video. And so YouTube has been running experiments to try and uh, keep up with the, the, the best features out there. The newest experiment is um, kind of ripped from Twitch. Uh, they're calling it Clips, which is exactly what Twitch calls it. Uh, the idea is that uh, you could watch our video and take a clip and pull it out and share it separately uh, from our full, you know, hour and a half episode. Um, and you can do that on Twitch right now. Uh, and it's coming to YouTube as well. It's going to work a little different on YouTube than it does on Twitch. On Twitch, when you create a clip, it creates a separate, unique video uh, that shows up on the content provider. So on our uh, channel. There's a hot clips or a or a top clips section where you can see what people are are uh, pulling out, so you can see what the most exciting and most interesting parts of of a particular streamer's channel are. On YouTube, it won't create a unique video. What it's going to do is it's going to work very similar to sharing uh, a video at a timestamp, except it's going to compress the timeline from a start to a finish. Um, so. You'll be able to do up to 60 seconds, which I think is a little short, but it is what it is. Uh, you will get a unique URL for each clip, but because it's not a unique clip, it won't show up on the on the content producers uh, channel. So if you were to do the same thing on our YouTube channel, it, there would not be a, a top clips or anything. It wouldn't show up anywhere. Uh, but you would get a URL that you'd be able to share. And it would play just that up to 60 seconds. Um, but the people who click on it will get an option to watch the full video, which will unlock the full timeline and start the video at the top. So YouTube is definitely up against some things that are different than what Twitch is up against. Um, obviously, um, uh, Twitch is all live. YouTube is only partially live and a small portion at that. Um, a lot of YouTube content creators, you know, are fighting with an algorithm for discovery. There's that special 10 minute window. Uh, there's um, being able to, to read your own ads. There's uh, the amount of time that's watched. 
And all of that is coming under fire with these clips, and we don't know exactly what it's going to mean for the algorithm because you actually get hit for short uh, bump outs. So if somebody only watches 60 seconds of a video and then leaves, uh, your channel gets moved down in the algorithm. So uh, YouTube has not addressed how any of this is going to work. Obviously, you'll get your view, but you won't, it'll, it'll hurt on your time. YouTube hasn't addressed how any of this is going to work. Um, hopefully, they will <laughs> before the, the feature goes live. Hopefully, we'll know how the algorithm works so, uh, so people know how to deal with it. But it's definitely an interesting feature, Avram. I mean, it sounds like... Let's. I mean, it's, it's the use case for this. Let's say, you know, oh, I see some of these video, and they, I can't believe they said this at minute two minute and thirty one seconds. Mm -hmm. So I want to share that that little, you know, that crazy thing that this person said at two minutes and thirty one seconds on Twitter. So I can create this, and then I can share it to Twitter or share it to Facebook. And look, this is the relevant part that you should care about. Right now. The thing is, this is solving a somewhat non-existent problem because you can, although I don't think a lot of people know this, share the sh change the start time of yeah. any share clip you share by putting t equals, and I think that the number of seconds, seconds in that you want. Yeah, and if you hit so the, you, you know, if you hit the share button under a video, um, it will give you the option to start it from where to share it from where you are right now in the video. There's a little checkbox and it'll it'll so alter the share. You can already do that. Yes. You can already do that. I guess the thing that, that this adds to that is that if I share it that way, people A uh, can't go further than another whatever minute into the video or, after or whatever you choose on the go back. Or whatever you choose on the timeline. Right. Okay. So I what up right, to and including sixty seconds. I, so they can't go further than up to a minute mm -hmm. longer. Um, but but why? Like, why don't I just give it to people from that moment? And then if they want to stop watching after 60 seconds, they can. Uh, you know, like, I don't know what favor you're doing to the user. I mean, I guess in theory, what you're talking about might actually come out in favor of the content creator because, I don't know, let's say let's say you were, we're sharing a video of the show and mm -hmm. I can't believe Scott said that at, at minute at, at the 341 second mark, right? Whatever. Right. So if I share it the current way and people, and I put it on Twitter and people are like, Oh man, I can't believe Scott said that. And then they hit stop. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh man, it looks like your video is only viewed for, you know, 10 seconds or mm -hmm. whatever. If I make it a 10 second video, uh, then presumably Maybe. YouTube, we hope YouTube would, would count it separately yeah. uh, and say, oh, well, they only had a 10 second video anyway. So, you know, no, it's no big deal that they stopped after 10 seconds because it was a 10 second video. Right. So, um, you know, I suppose in that respect, it's do it could be doing the content creator a favor perhaps uh, if it's if it's used in their favor yeah it but, all depends on how google uh, implements implemented into the algorithm but i honestly i don't see the point it's almost yeah. like this ridiculous quibby thing where it was like 
people want bite-sized videos. Okay, hit stop then. Like, <laughs> don't watch it then. Like, I mean, you want a bite-sized video, hit stop. I mean, like, what it I don't I watch the whole thing. I mean, it, it, the whole th- it's 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 ridiculous. Like, I'll I'll decide when I've watched enough. You know, yeah. I mean, For- if it's good, I'll keep watching. On on Twitch, I understand what's happening, right? You've got somebody who's playing Fortnite for four hours and you want to share a particular crazy thing that they did, like a a, a particular interesting success story or you know, something like that. I get it. And because of the way clips work, it gets listed as a clip. So other people coming to the channel can see what the fans of that channel think are the most interesting thing that that streamer has done. I get it. That makes sense. I go to channels and go, okay, let's see what this person's about. Boop. Watch a couple of clips, get, get a feel for who they are, what they're doing. You know, are they, are they a, a character gamer? Are they a speed runner? You know, who are they? What are they doing? I get it. But this implementation seems to completely misunderstand what people love about clips on Twitch and more closely resembles what Hulu did when it launched, um, which was exactly this. Uh, They weren't listed anywhere. They weren't anything special, but you could share the clips uh, on social media and they were so poorly received that uh, the feature went away. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> yeah, it's 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 a li- it's a little ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, just encourage people to share from the timestamp that they that they want to show. Uh, maybe people will end up watching more than you think, mm-hmm. uh, or implement it correctly. One or the other. <laughs> Don't do this down the middle, not pleasing anybody implementation. Because I don't think anybody is going to care about this, especially if they don't implement the algorithm side of things correctly. And we start getting hurt by it because I can guarantee if, if that happens, first thing that happens is a setting is created to turn it off for a channel. <laughs> so, and then they've put all this time in and it just becomes uh, video annotations, um, which are gone. Uh, so, you know, it, it's weird. It's an interesting. If implemented correctly, it could be interesting. Under these circumstances, it is like you said. It is no different than sharing at a timestamp. So I don't know. It it seems like they missed the point to me. Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We always appreciate our live listeners. If you weren't able to join us live and would like to in the future, Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us and chat with us. Give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. If you're not able to do that, that is okay. You can always go to plugheadslive.com slash subscribe, and there you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live and The Pilch Point. You'll see uh, Plugheads Live Presents, which is where all of our CES content is going. And of course, You can find all of the ways that you can uh, subscribe, watch, listen, and all of that. Uh, Social media, podcatchers, basically anywhere you want us to be, we probably are. And if we're not, let us know and we'll try and get there as well. 
Um, we've both sites have got a ton of content coming up, uh, including uh, Abram's review on the Alienware laptop. I cannot wait to see uh, the full details on that. Obviously, we've got a ton of interviews being published every day three per day until all 104 are published <sighs> but but that is the the undertaking that we take uh for ces um so it's okay it's a lot of fun um so you can find all of that and uh and more and with that on behalf of the staff that's not here i'm scott i'm Abram, and we will see you back next week ciao